0: Hello and welcome to some Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango.
1: And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we are joined by some very special guests. Hey, my name is Aaron. I'm uh, the host of The Forecast, joined
2: by another friend of ours over there who also uh, likes to talk a little bit. Oh, hi.
3: I'm Owen and I am the co-host or one of the co-hosts and also occasionally the main host when Aaron is on vacation. And, yeah, uh, why would
1: you take take vacations, Aaron? What's wrong with
2: you? I, I'm, yeah. It's shame on me. I've done
3: one time on in like
1: 90 podcasts one time, and here we are. <laughs> well, speaking of vacations, I recently took a single vacation day so that I could attend to the 2019 festivities at BlizzCon in Anaheim. Uh, I was the only person that went to BlizzCon, but there's tons and tons of news that has come so, out of the convention over the course of the weekend. Uh, I mean, we, we've we been talking a little bit. We had a couple of BlizzCon predictions, like, here and there, right? But, like, it was very clear that BlizzCon was going to be a really big deal uh, this year because of... A couple of different pieces, not the least of which being they announced Protests. a bunch of, uh, well, also, yeah, yeah, also the protest, right? But like <laughs> last year, the games were like last year's BlizzCon was just like shitty. They didn't really do anything, right? Like there was you guys no WoW phones, right? Yeah, exactly. So they had Diablo Immortals. So this year, um, I think Jason Schreier did most of the reporting for this. Uh, they basically. We're pulling out all the stops to really kind of say, like, no, we're Blizzard. We're still doing Blizzard things. Please love us. And then the Blitz chunk thing happened. <laughs> uh, but you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, so I was at BlizzCon. You guys, uh, I'm sure, followed along at home. And uh, and we're gonna talk about some of the major stuff that happened today. Where do you guys want to start out? What What is the what is the the Blizzard title property announcement that you're champing at the bit to talk about?
2: I mean, sh- should, so, should we start I mean, I with? Like the- we go on the opening cinematic right yeah which yeah. i believe was i mean was that not diablo 4 wasn't that the first
1: thing that they showed i mean were you the were there very and... first yeah so the very first thing that they did actually was jay allen pratt got on stage and apologized uh about the blitzchung thing again oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. which was like uh oh, okay and then they immediately went into a cold open on um the diablo 4 cinematic which uh which is pretty brutal to be honest um very you know people have been talking about a sort of return to the very like dark horror roots of diablo which i'm a little bit like I, I scratch my head at that a little bit um but you know the cinematic definitely delivered and it ended up with the resurrection of lilith who i'm reliably informed is important to the diablo lore though i have sure. no understanding of how, <laughs> uh, she, and how and under she, what
3: um, all so, i know is uh, that cinematic was gorgeous uh, it, and those three guys are a hundred percent dead <laughs> uh
0: so so the the lore point is that uh it was her and an angel who I don't know the name of um fell in love and they created the sanctuary because it's like a forbidden romance, and the their offspring oh, are the nephilim. the
1: nephilim oh right yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I knew the Nephilim are angels and demons that
1: fucked um, Inarius, <laughs> yes. Inarius
2: that was her her
1: counterpart okay uh. Uh, Yeah, so Diablo 4 has been announced. There's a big giant statue uh, of Lilith. There was a demo on the show floor that I played. Uh, They had three classes, Druid, Barbarian, and Sorceress. Um, Things seem to be taking a step back towards the Diablo 2 route with talent trees and sort of things along those kinds of lines. Yeah. some of that stuff I thought was very good looking. Some of the stuff that they talked about I thought did not make a lot of sense. Like they talked about rolling back drop rates of legendaries, which I think is kind of not smart. Um, but uh, yeah, it, all in all, I'm kind of like medium hype for Diablo 4. But admittedly, I'm not a huge Diablo person. Uh, are, do you guys like have uh, a, like this uh, the same kind of innate connection to Diablo that you might have with like other franchise properties?
3: I mean, I would say that I kind of had that same thing of, I've always seen Diablo, I've always been slightly interested in Diablo, but I've never actually played Diablo. It was one of those things that I just kind of like missed the bandwagon on when Diablo 3 was getting Mm. all hype on everything, Uh, and like this, like my knowledge of that, plus this trailer from BlizzCon, I'm just kind of like, okay, take my money, I want to know what Diablo 4 is.
1: Yeah, Mango. You've played a lot of Diablo three. Yeah, uh, like of all of my of all of my friends, I feel like you are you are like the Diablo three guy. What what was your feeling coming away from that uh, cinematic and the announcements?
0: So I, I also discussed it with some people who are more Diablo two people, and I I was never that, which is kind of usually the big comparison point. Is everybody was who is a big Diablo two fan was disappointed in three? Um, uh, I really enjoyed three. There, I feel like it had some odd kind of power curve problems where it was too easy to get kind of the first, like to get 80% of the way to the top of the power curve and the last Mm. 20% wasn't super compelling. So kind of just raw from that perspective, I think that that kind of thing where you're talking about rolling back the legendary drop mates, drop rates that might help a little bit with that. Um, but, uh, I am I am super interested by this because um, something else that, that that always kind of bothered me about this kind of style of game. This is also true of Path of Exile, is the proper way to kind of play these games is uh, to kind of figure out the the not not the the hardest thing that you can push, but figure out like the 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 hardest thing you can kind of reliably farm without much effort and just kind of pull gear out of that. And it looks like the encounters are going to be a little bit... It's going to be harder to do that in this game, at least from the little Mm -hmm. bit that we've seen. And so I'm kind of very excited from that perspective. Yeah, I I definitely have mixed
1: sort of opinions about uh some of this stuff. like i was i was the kind of person like i played a bit of diablo 2 but i never really got into it because i got into it like later like in high school and in 2005 terms diablo 2 is a very dated kind of game in a way that even like i was playing starcraft and stuff all the time um and like warcraft 3 so it's not like i was having trouble with older blizzard properties just like there's something about diablo 2 that was like particularly old and so i picked up the i picked up diablo 3 and i really didn't like it um mostly because of the drop rates being really shitty right like it just felt like it was impossible to get something good or exciting to be about and i just kind of like fell off of it because of the grind and then i only got back onto it um when reaper of souls came out because i got a um uh because i got it for free i think with my wow subscription or something like that um and then in reapers of souls i was kind of like okay cool this is a this is a neat game right like things drop it's fun i get it now kind of um i do sort which is why i was a little bit weirded out by them talking about like the legendary essentially what they said was right now when you do better and harder things in diablo you get more drops right Um, and sometimes better, and, like, better drops, right? But uh, what they're moving to in the future is that you don't really get more drops, you just get better quality drops. So, like, your chance to get a a legendary at max level regular easy riffs and super hard greater riffs or whatever is still the same. It's just that the legendaries you get out of the higher one are going to be more powerful. Uh, I didn't like the way that I that sounded because it seemed a little, like, I don't know. I guess I just like knee jerked that it was a little bit back to the, to the return of the Diablo three days. Um, but yeah, I do kind of get what you mean about like you really quickly get close to the cap of power. And then it's just a slog to go any further.
2: I think it's funny that you said that you had like the, the, like a difficulty collecting things until you got Reaper of souls, because I kind of have the opposite, opposite experience. I grew up playing Diablo two. And so getting a rare drop was kind of just the end all be all it was the most exciting part of actually playing it Mm -hmm. and then when we get to diablo 3 there's just it felt like that you were just progressively getting drops as you proceeded through the game and then you'd up the difficulty level and you know it'll show you all the percentages and the chances of drops but you know you just start getting them more common and more often and more often and then it just became something where it was like that last 20 percent. you don't really want to continue or extend there's no end game it's It's not necessarily uh, the most exciting that you would, or the excitement level you would have if you were playing, like, the Diablo 2 sort of drop rate for items.
3: Uh, Yeah, I I think that scarcity is an important thing. I mean, to put it in in a terms of things that I understand, uh, you know, the... shiny pokemon that i get on community day are nothing compared to the shiny pokemon that i get on regular days because it's just you know with one of these this is a lot harder to get mm-hmm. so i understand them moving the hey if we make legendaries harder to get it means so much more to you as a player when you get that legendary when you get that powerful thing it's going to be like oh this is dope
0: so I, I think this is interesting too because if if the uh, if All the gear scales with difficulty, right? Like, if, if, uh, if like your rare and your uncommon drops are of better quality at higher difficulties, there's a potential where you're gonna, where you might want to replace like a legendary in a slot with a rare in a slot. And I'm not, oh, yeah, that kind
1: of thing happens in WoW all the time, yeah, yeah, like when you, when you move into, you know, like I'm replacing my epics with greens or whatever between expansions, like that kind of thing. Well, so so the, the
0: thing is, is between expansions, those are usually like um, stat differences, whereas mm. legendaries generally have like some sort of affix that's like super meaningful, right? Like, yeah, especially on the legendaries, there's just some on the other gear pieces that I've given to understand it as well. Um, but that's, that's an interesting dynamic because I, I don't know if it's going to play out positively or negatively because, because the, the idea of replacing your kind of like hard one piece of gear with something that's numerically better, but not as interesting seems like it could be a, a, a drawback, but it also keeps more of the loot table relevant, right? Like in late Diablo three, you don't even, like, look at anything besides the orange and green drops, which are the legendary right. set pieces. Yeah,
1: and oranges. then most people's builds are filled out with oranges. You know what I mean? Like, people aren't typically rare- wearing yellows or purples or yeah. anything like that, right? Like, by, you know, not even, it's not even hard to fill yourself out with, with legendaries, it feels like, in, in Diablo 3.
2: Especially as you reach like, the upper nightmare levels. I think mm. that's just common. You're going to see people just stacked with oranges. They did talk about that a new tier of items though. They were talking about mythics. I don't know if you guys heard about that at all, but
1: oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: They were saying that it's basically going to be kind of like an exotic, like you would have in destiny where you can only equip one thing at a time. It may be super meaningful, super powerful, but you have to like be, you know, cho- cho- you choose specifically where you want to place that item and slot on your character.
0: Yeah. This is actually kind of funny. Cause that was the thing I immediately thought of too, was, was the exotic uh, kind of equivalence. And, um, there were some rumors that they were going to try and make Diablo 4. One, first person, which is obviously not true. But uh, kind of to be, it's like, fill the the kind of looter void that Destiny left when it changed platforms. Um, mm-hmm. And it's interesting that it, it seems to kind of be taking at least partial inspiration from that. Which, you know, it's all good. It's, all, you know, sharing inspirations across games in the same kind of a genre, I think, is a, is a great way to get better games. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: but... also taking inspiration. I, I find this very funny. Did you see the keys system, Mango?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, like...
1: Yeah, so they basically lifted Mythic Plus wholesale out of World of Warcraft and put it into Diablo, which is funny because Mythic's mythic plus was kind of lifted out of diablo in the first place uh with the scaling on with the infinite scaling on rifts. yeah so now there are the keys and you go to specific dungeons and those keys will have affixes on them um and it will change how the dungeon plays out in kind of uh unique and strategically kind of like complex ways which is a system that i like quite a bit i like it in world of warcraft and i like it here so are they essentially modifiers? That's what
2: you're doing? You're just changing the way the dungeon is? Yeah, so out? it
1: levels up the dungeon. like It'll be like a level 15 key or whatever. So the dungeons are that much more powerful, right? And then some of those will have an affix. Like The one that they showed off was like a tornado one where just the entire dungeon, there is a lightning tornado that's slow moving and it is constantly following you. So you have to like be worried. And if it hits you, it doesn't do a bunch of damage, right? So you have to kind of constantly be worried about your positioning.
3: Yeah, See, it, I feel like that's going to be really good just for when you're going back to dungeons that you liked playing or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you are grinding through something. It's just kind of like, hey, how do we make this 15th run through this thing more fun? Uh, oh, let's have these keys. And so that way you can, you know, yeah. add something new to it and hopefully get better loot for doing it with harder difficulties added onto it.
0: Yeah, we, this is actually something that, that Buddy and I were talking about on, I think it was either the last podcast or the one before, it about, like, kind of longevity in these uh, kind of lifestyle-type games. And th- this is the type of thing that definitely lets you extend that out and lets you keep playing the game without without burning out on it. Um, uh, but did you did you play the demo that they had? At, yeah, so I played kind?
1: the demo. Uh, it was probably the second-best demo that I played at the convention. It was very well put together. Um the other dem- I, the other demos I played were the wow demo and Overwatch 2 um it was uh it was really sharp and it was a it was a really solid uh demo for what Diablo 4 would uh feel like you know it's just a small thing it took you through a little story there is a chieftain in a local in a tribal village and her son is having nightmares and her son describes the nightmares and she's like oh there's this witch of the seas you got to go to her sea cave and kill her and you go to the sea cave and she's there and she's a boss and you fight the boss and you come back and she goes oh thank goodness and then the son dies anyway because it's dr it's diablo and it's hashtag dark it's leak. And it's funny, and this is something that I had, I, I had a certain amount of problems with, right? Like, I, a lot of people have been talking about, like, oh, like, Diablo's returning to its dark roots or whatever, but, like, th- maybe it's just I had this extreme memory... But that story that I just described is the exact same story as the blacksmith from the first act of Diablo 3. His wife gets, like, bitten by a zombie or whatever, and you go through this thing to try and save her. But then she turns into a zombie, and you have to kill her, and she's, like, a boss battle, and it's, like, sad and depressing. And so part of me really is, like, honestly questioning, right? Like, how, what do they mean by dark? And how did Diablo 3 lose that darkness? Because I do remember Diablo 3 being a pretty grim, you know, like, tough uh, world in terms of, like, grim, dark stuff, right? Um, And, you know, uh, obviously, I didn't play enough of Diablo 1 or Diablo 2 to, like, really make a good comparison to the differences between them. But, yeah, that was a point that confused me with the coverage.
2: I think a little bit just has to do with... uh, I think they talked a little bit about, like, occult symbology and you know things that may not have been as forefront in diablo 3 as they were too but at the same time i think there's this uh, sense of when people you know, you know when they announced diablo 3 i think people lost their minds and then when it came out they, there was a lot of backlash about certain things that they had like uh uh their marketplace yeah the real money auction house yeah the real money auction house yeah yeah, yeah. and some of the loot table drops uh or the loot drop tables that cause some issues with in terms of scaling like we were talking about and so but i think that kind of lies in the realm of well we everybody who played diablo 2 who was excited about diablo 3 played it in a time when you just sat in front of a computer and played games all day long because you were in middle school or high school and there was no online gaming there was no you know Mm. that perspective so it's a little bit skewed i think that probably is going to apply here too so I think we'll just have to see, you know, if we get that same sense. Because them calling it sort of, this is darker, this is more occult, this is bloodier, this is more gruesome. I mean, maybe they're just calling back to that sort of... Yeah,
1: I, I remember Diablo 3 being very, very, like, gruesome and gory. And there's a lot of, like, body horror in there. I don't know, maybe that's just, like, I just weird and incorrect. I think part of it also just kind of comes down to genre. Um, something that I've heard people talk about is uh, specifically when it comes to, like the difference between classic World of Warcraft and retail World of Warcraft is like that sense of danger, right? Where like, if you pull two mobs in a dungeon, right? Like you, that's that's tough and you might die. And that creates a sense of kind of like, overall sort of like danger and dread that you that you might not necessarily be able to kind of like match um and i think diablo has that same sort of issue in a way where like you you as a player are very powerful it's an rpg it's a power fantasy you're combining your skills and your talents in these ways to make yourself you know really really strong um and that might kind of like I don't know. Fly in the face of some of the the horror archetype stuff uh, that's going along with it. So maybe like it's just impossible to do a real horror game in a D- in a Diablo sort of sense because at the end of the day, Diablo is about making yourself more and more powerful until you know you can fight gods and angels.
0: Yeah, I, I know that one. Like the, this is kind of more aesthetic than anything else, but I know a big complaint about Diablo three and something that a friend of the cast, Monic, had identified as something that seemed to be coming back in D four is. Um, the color palette and the graphical style are much more like Diablo 2 in that they are a little bit less cartoony and a little bit, uh, I guess the color palette just darker, um, mm. like literally darker. Uh, so I, mean, I, I think that's a big part of it too, that, 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 graphical style evokes a different set of feelings in people. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that's a lot about Diablo. Uh, should we move on to the, uh, the next game? Yeah. Uh, so, buddy, you since, you since you were there, why don't you pick the, the next thing you want to talk about?
1: Okay, so the next one I want to talk about is, obviously, World of Warcraft. It's my baby. We talk about WoW all the time. I am the lone person that still loves this game. Everybody fucking hates Battle for Azeroth, except for me, apparently. <laughs> um, and uh, they are listening to everyone else <laughs> because all of the changes that they announced for uh, for Shadowlands were basically huge applause lines for people that are currently frustrated with the state of the game. uh, And I empathize with some of those frustrations. I just sort of think that by patch 8.2, Battle for Azeroth got, like, traditionally good again and is a strong title or whatever. But sure, uh, we're in Shadowlands. A couple of the big notable changes from a gameplay perspective um, is they're getting rid of sort of, like, the infinite grind um, of the artifact power slash Azerite, you know, power... Uh, grind. This is something that I haven't seen in any other MMOs, but I think it's actually very like in in Destiny, for instance. There's something along these sort of line, right? Like some resource that you over the course of they the game just
0: added it for this. For oh, really? The, for the new for yeah. Shadowkeep, yeah. Um, not sure. Okay, well,
1: watch yourself because uh, people sh- fucking hate it in World of Warcraft. I really so here, <laughs> here's here's the, sort of the design philosophy. I think it is smart, but kind of poorly implemented in in certain sort of situations. The design philosophy is that when you when you add world quests to the game, right, where you just kind of say there are going to be 20 quests that pop up every couple of hours. Nobody's going to be able to complete all of them. And they're going to have little incremental rewards. You need a bunch of different things to reward people. So as they're flying to a zone and saying, okay, I need to do four world quests in order to get my big box that's going to have the thing I want, right? What are the four world quests that I do? And so you have, you know, like the order hall currency, you have low level gear, um, you have gold, right? And, And another core resource that they put in here was... Uh, artifact power slash azurite right and the idea is you gain certain amounts of it and over time it will power up your character right so it is not gold will never power up your abilities it'll never like increase your strength or your haste but getting enough azurite to level up your necklace from you know item levels 363 to 364 essentially like does that Uh, It's been met with a lot of backlash in the WoW community because people feel like it you you can never be optimal, right? Because the grind has diminishing return, like really hefty diminishing returns. Um, People want to max out their artifacts so that they feel that they are as powerful as possible. But doing that is just like really really hard uh, and and a tough thing to accomplish because of those you know diminishing returns that protect essentially casual players. Um, from having to, like, sign their life rights away to play, like, World of Warcraft. So the change that they're making in Shadowlands is they're essentially putting out on a cap, right? Like, as long as you... The, the new resource is called Anima. I don't know why they go with these A names. Um, as long as you get a certain amount of Anima per week, you will increase your power by, you know, the, the requisite amount, essentially. So as long as, you know, you are playing the game some... You'll kind of complete this objective, and then all of the excess anima you can kind of spend as a currency on other things, on options and cosmetics, and all the all the, all the other sort of like in-game rewards that you might theoretically want. I'm not super jazzed about this, but I think it's kind of like an okay system. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's one of the that's one of the big changes. the The big feature they're adding is a rogue like feature called Torgast uh, Tower of the Damned. Which is a giant spire in one of the zones that has procedurally generated infinite dungeons. Right, you just move room to room, hallway to hallway, and you're killing, you know, trash and bosses and stuff. Uh, and eventually, it 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 will just outscale you to where you to where you die. Um, but in traditional like roguelike fac- fashion, as you get more and more powerful, you will earn like run only bonuses that are like really powerful. Uh, sorts of upgrades to your character, but once you die, you, you know you're out, you lose, sort of thing.
0: Um, is so. isn't that taken from uh, from uh, Final Fantasy fourteen? Don't they have something like that? So Final Fantasy fourteen
1: has uh, Tower of the Dead, pa- Palace of the Dead. I Palace can't remember of the
0: Dead, it. I think, is what it's called.
1: Yeah, Palace of the Dead. Uh, I don't know if it has that rogue like sort of feature, but people have definitely been making that uh, that sort of comparison. I-, I feel like Tower of the Dead gets run. By alts a lot when i was working at square enix like i honestly i once i once i left that job a lot of the specifics of the gameplay information just like whoop right out of my brain
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously
3: <clears throat> go ahead i was gonna say i was like that just seems so like mind-boggling like just weird to me from my wow experiences i mean i haven't played in several expansions i've played mm-hmm. classic but not retail for several expansions here and like i just remember dying being a terrible thing i just distinctly remember everyone just hating dying in raids or wiping in raids because then you had to like go repair your armor and it cost several gold to do it and like you just would watch anything that you had saved up just slowly start dwindling because it's like oh man we did a a pug raid and we wiped three times and now you've got to spend you know 75 to 100 gold to like repair all your armor and now it's just like hey here's a thing that you specifically have to die like there is no way you win that you just keep going until you do die so (laughs) unless like you're getting a decent amount of loot i would just be like wait what why would i i that seems like such a terrible deal. That's guaranteeing I'm going to have to repair all of my shit.
1: Yeah. I, so they have tied uh, Torghast Tower of the Dead to the new legendary system. They're bringing back legendaries, which will work a lot like Diablo legendaries. You know, they'll have an affix sort of thing on them that says like, oh, whenever you use Whirlwind, it does a little shockwave that adds extra damage or something like that. You know, that kind of a thing. Um so, I feel like, the, you know, it's the thing that people are going to uh, 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 want to do. I like the idea that they are kind of, like, focusing in on on Torgast instead of adding a bunch of new features, which both Legion and Battle for Azeroth kind of did in a way that, um, you know, like, they add, it's not just Warfronts, but it's Warfronts and islands, right? It's not just Mythic Plus, it's you know also world quest and a bunch of new you know like kind of ways to sort of play the game so the idea that the next thing that's coming to wow is just like one new game mode and it's very cool and it looks like this uh, uh i find to be pretty pretty interesting
2: now are uh, they never like do, do they introduce new game modes like in other expansions or is this something yeah. completely out of right field
1: Yeah, so a lot of the times the new game modes will be, um, the new game modes will be, like, difficulties, right? Like, right now, raiding has four difficulties when, like, Ragnaros, Ragnaros is just fucking Ragnaros, right? Like, you could either kill him or you couldn't. Now there is looking for raid, which you put yourself into a queue and get matched up with randos. There is normal, right, just you and a bunch of buddies go raid a guy heroic normal, which is normal typically plus a couple of harder mechanics and then there is mythic rating which is like the high level competitive right like every time they release a new a new raid there's a big world first race right like what is the best raiding guild that's going to kill the final boss sort of like first or whatever so a lot of the times that that's what these sorts of things look like um uh Torghast is pretty different in the same way that like islands and warfronts were pretty different um in terms of how you know like how you interface with the game it's not like you could really describe warfronts and islands were not like dungeons or you know raids they were like their own sort of pve content and i think it's going to be the same sort of thing when it comes to Torgast. it is his own sort of like pve uh idea
2: I mean, is the gold Demore more just reward the long-term players or is this something where they're trying to pull in new people because this content seems so incredibly, I mean, this is interesting to me. I've never played. Wow. But yeah, I love roguelikes. So the idea of running up a tower just endlessly and trying to fight my way through hordes of enemies to get mm-hmm. some minor buffs as we go. sounds great.
1: Yeah. And then there are, um, uh, there are a couple of other changes. They're doing a big leveling revamp. Um, the, everybody is being squashed to level 60 and they're changing it so that every they call it every level matters right which is just to sort of say like every time you level up you get a new ability you unlock a new thing right so that as you are progressing it actually like feels good and different rather than just being like well i get nothing between levels 80 and 90 i just kind of have to like slog through it um and then you can also level up in any of the different expansions uh you want right so as long as you have i think it's like as long as you have somebody at max level when you have an alt or something it starts at level 1 you can either choose to go to burning crusade or to wrath of the lich king or something kind of along those lines uh sort of as as you know necessary as befits fits your your needs which is cool you know that kind of leveling revamp is uh something that people have been asking for for the game for a long time right
3: i mean yeah that seems like something as a, a returning player uh you know that that does interest me just because i if I don't know how they're doing the everyone's getting squashed back to 60 thing, but at least then if I'm looking at my characters that I had at like 80 something or whatever, and it's like, Oh cool. You know, they'll be already starting the next expansion with everybody else. And you can just go from there.
1: Yeah. I think that they definitely, uh, I I think in a lot of ways, wow, looks at itself as a, as a perennial tour, tour, sort of game rather than like constantly pulling in new people. Um, I feel like they're interested in getting somebody who played, you know, somebody who played really hardcore in *Mists of Pandaria* to see a BlizzCon announcement and be like, ah, oh, you know what? I'll pick up the game again, right? Like, I mean, that—that's typically me for a lot of the for a lot of my WoW career. It's come back for the beginning of an expansion, fall off again, come back at the end of an expansion after the BlizzCon announcement, right? Like, you know, and play through the end, kind of a uh, kind of a thing. So, you know that's interesting i also think that uh world of warcraft had the best cinematic but i also might be a little bit biased because i thought it was really really fucking awesome it's tough to follow i feel like did you guys see the sylvanas cinematic with the lich king yeah, yeah it was yeah. awesome yeah okay do you okay so here's my question do you understand the story of that cinematic not a clue it didn't yeah. matter though <laughs> it was just
0: i understand I, I, that i is mean, do... a bitch yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh God. Yeah. I I really loved the cinematic just because like, I was, I was explaining this to other people. Um, Some friends of mine were talking about how cool the Diablo 4 cinematic was. And I was like, listen, at the end of the day, the Diablo 4 cinematic is like a bunch of dudes die and a demon gets summoned and that's whatever. Right. Uh, the World of Warcraft cinematic, just like Sylvanas versus the Lich King on Ice Crown, on the top of Ice Crown Citadel. And then she beats him and she takes his crown and rips it in half and opens, like shatters a portal into the sky. Like, that's just awesome. And it was like really awesome being in the room for that sort of thing. But I was also very much like, oh my God, this is like really esoteric lore nobody except for like very current wow players are going to understand what's going on right and even a bunch of them i'm sure are just going to be like hmm, what hmm? who how, how much did you actually pay attention
3: while leveling your character we're yeah. going
1: to <laughs> yeah like i have you know like i've read all of the chronicle books they release these books called chronicle that is like a definitive sort of like lore accounting um so i i'm a a wow lord junkie and so like i was very much on top of this stuff i I post regularly in the warcraft lore subreddit but uh uh yeah it was uh it was neat i feel like Bolvar is actually getting kind of a bad rap a lot of people are saying that he's just like a pushover but like Bolvar put up a, a, a fight you know like that thing where he like he went into the to the mist with the hammer oh so cool anyway
0: so, so it was a, it was a cool fight it's just kind of like the last lich king required an entire expansion and like several raids to to take down this one's just like like you know who would win the entire army of the undead or one banshee girl right like it's it, it just felt kind of <laughs> underwhelming in in that way
1: yeah um, I, I guess i i guess i sort of get that part of it is also a little bit like you know like sylvanas is powerful in lore right now um but like has that maybe that hasn't really been telegraphed greatly in a way, like something that gets asked after the last big cutscene, uh, that came out last month was like, Oh, how did the how did Sylvanas like get that powerful or whatever, right? But it's something that, like, you only get there if, like, after the scenario, you stick around and chat with a couple of the NPCs and you'll sort of see what that you know what I mean. It's kind of like it's kind of like it's fine print almost uh like under it's like oh by the way hey did you notice that Sylvanas is like way more powerful than than we thought she was kind of thing and so it's one of those things that like makes sense if you have an encyclopedic knowledge but like on its face I think is uh is a little bit like weird I
3: I would I would say that you're right I would say that that is lost on some players because I distinctly remember like just on my YouTube feed being like oh hey some cinematics from the most recent uh, world of warcraft uh mm. and for battle of azeroth and i was like watching some of those and i was just like wait when the fuck did she get awesome like yeah. i distinctly remember her in like vanilla just sitting there or you know or in uh and burning crusades just being like weak as shit yeah and i was like oh okay i guess she was always cool <laughs> like Yeah, I
1: also think that there's a certain sense of, like, squandered potential when it comes to Bolvar. Obviously, the Lich King is a really, like, iconic character, and, like, the idea there must always be a Lich King and that Bolvar is the jailer of the damned sort of stuff, like, it seems like that's ripe for coming back into the narrative in a really cool way, and I would argue that is what happened in the sense that her breaking the helm of domination and shattering open a portal to the shadowlands is fucking neat as shit. But also at the same time, it feels like kind of like Bolvar is getting the, the short end of the narrative stick, which, you know, I, I definitely empathize with that.
0: Yeah. I also feel like maybe this is like a marketing problem in, in, mm-hmm. in terms of like, I could see this being a content patch at the end of the expansion where you suddenly get sent to Northrend and what's this, you, you have to deal with Bolvar in some way and what happens? And then you see, and then, you know, and then like, in-universe, you see the cinematic where Sylvanas goes and screws with Bolvar, but you can't sell an expansion off of that, so.
1: Yeah, no, well, that that's the other thing. Right Where we are right now, we are we haven't even got to patch 8.3, which is going to be, like, the big Nazoth patch where you fight the old god or whatever. So it's very much like jumping ahead into the future, right? Um, and I sort of wonder if, like, in the interim, there will be better sort of uh, information to lead us into that moment. Um, in terms of like 8.3 and whatever ends up with you know uh and 8.3.5 the pre-patch that kind of stuff they could definitely like sort of like bridge that gap narratively in a better way than just like at blizzcon here is essentially the cinematic for an expansion that's not coming out for a year and whose story is a year behind this particular moment
0: yeah um i feel like that's just kind of like an unfortunate reality of, of of marketing i guess yeah for sure, but, but we should probably push on to uh uh what do you want to talk about next uh hearthstone I guess? okay so
1: hearthstone which sucks oh, I... the best for last okay yeah,
0: so yeah so the thing
1: so the thing about hearthstone uh which does suck a little bit is it's kind of the loser of blizzcon because like everybody else got these like huge huge gigantic announcements hearthstone announced an expansion and a new game mode that uh doesn't look amazing i don't really know i I, i'm beginning to believe i'm just not an auto battlers person but i've been watching a lot of people playing the new hearthstone uh it's called hearthstone battlegrounds it behaves a lot like Teamfight tactics or auto chess but just sort of like with hearthstone rules and that means that a couple of things are a little bit different a couple of things you know some things are streamlined some things are added there's hero powers and choosing different heroes uh which i think is kind of like neat but at the end of the day it's very like rng um We'll see. I guess uh, the other big announcement is the new card expansion, which is Descent of Dragons. Which is they they announced like seven cards. You can't really go go much go hard on anything alike. It's a new it's a new Hearthstone expansion. I'll wait until the rest of the card reveals to like really go crazy for it. I guess.
0: And were there any mechanic reveals?
1: Yeah. So the new mechanic. Okay. So there's a couple of things. Um. So, uh, the whole story of the of the Year of the Dragon has been at first there was this League of Villains, right? A bunch of villains got together in Hearthstone lore and they stole Dalaran and then they brought Dalaran to uh, Un'Goro, or not, not Un'Goro, to Uldum, and then the League of Explorers who were also, you know, an old Ars- uh, uh, old Hearthstone heroes, kind of came back to fight them and they re- represent different classes. Um, what ends up happening story-wise is Dalaran with the power of the Plague Lord of Undeath um, resurrects galakrond who is the very first dragon ever on azeroth he's insanely powerful uh the power of all of the dragons essentially descends from him and um and the new mechanics surround that so essentially there's five hero cards for the different evil classes which are warlock priest rogue warrior and shaman um And the new mechanic is called Invoke. You'll play cards, and those cards will have Invoke on them. Uh, They will power up your your Galakrond hero card later and also do something immediately, right? So, for instance, the Priest uh, Invoke will add a random Priest minion to your hand, which is... You know, which is different for each of the uh, each of the different classes, and then you play Galakrond, and he's a really powerful hero that is like a big, you know, kind of like board swinging moment. Uh, the good guys get a new card type called side quests, which is a very cheap type of card. It's, it's sort of like quest. You play them, and it gives you like a condition, and then fulfilling that con- condition will give you uh, a reward of some type, right? So it's like one mana what the next essentially one mana the next time you spend eight mana on a spell uh summon a 6-6 six, six dragon right um so it is a one mana 6-6 six, six that you have to kind of like meet that condition in order to in order to bring into the field um that's neat that's you know it is what it is uh <laughs> are you guys hearthstone players two of you I'm a big Hearthstone player. Mango used to play Hearthstone, but now mostly... uh magic. you're
3: You're oh, a no. Magic player. Hey. <laughs> no, I mean, I was just, like, hearing you talking about that and thinking about, like, the one year that I played Hearthstone, and I'm just like, wow, that seems like some broken-ass mechanics. Ugh. Yeah, I mean,
1: we, we've talked about this a lot. Wow and Magic have very, have very much, like, diverged. Um, like, early Hearthstone looked a lot like Magic in the sense that there was a lot of, like card drawing and like fair you know whatever now a lot of hearthstone is built on um like adding value to your uh adding value to your deck from kind of like outside of your deck right so like the idea it's not that you draw a random priest minion from your deck it's that you add a random priest minion to your hand and that's really useful in hearthstone uh because it keeps your you can you can like outvalue someone like that with magic you can't outvalue someone without just like the contents of your deck if that makes sense and then right. magic has much more complicated because of the priorities right it has much more complicated interactions with how you and your opponent do things right because you know you can never you can basically never counter a spell in Hearthstone but in Magic, you have to be worried about, yes, my big creature is going to get countered, and that really, really sucks, right? Or you get into, like, stack wars where you're countering their yeah. counter
3: and all these the other The second guys. you have to explain the stack to anyone <laughs> you're teaching Magic to, um, oh yeah, every bet is off the table. You're just like, okay, look, I trained you as best as I could. There's this thing called the stack. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, like, don't get me wrong. I think the stack is brilliant. I think the color wheel is uh, is brilliant. Um. Uh, but it definitely is 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 a very complicated sort of system.
0: Yeah, uh, uh, it's a thing that works because when you're playing paper, you can kind of do a lot of this implicitly, right? Like you can mm-hmm. mostly ignore the stack, and you can implicitly pass, pass priority, and you don't have to worry about it. And then when you get like when you really get into it, that's when you start learning it. So you can kind of get that kind of you know uh, half hour to learn, lifetime to master type stuff. Um, But when you're playing online, like with arena, just things kind of happen and you're like, wait, why is, why is everything waiting? Why do I have to press these buttons? Uh, And then it's just much harder to to kind of translate if you don't already know what's happening.
1: I also think that magic itself has just like gotten more, more complicated as it's primary audience has become more and more literate in the game, right? Like you look at powerful monsters now, right? Like questing beast is a really good example of this. Questing beast has like nine abilities, It is a four mana four four beast that, whenever it hits your opponent, it deals damage to their planeswalker. Its damage can't be prevented. It what are its other abilities? Mango, Uh, there's vigilance, death touch, uh, haste. Oh yeah! On top of the just like the like, if you were to pay for a minion like that in like two thousand and two Magic the Gathering terms, it would be an eleven mana minion, right? Uh, Or I'm sorry, creature. Uh, But nowadays, uh, it's four. It's four 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 four. Yeah, a, a four mana four four, the, a four mana four four beast that I used to play when I was playing PTQs in 2001 was Ravenous Beast. It was a four mana huh. four four beast that had sacrifice a beast, gain four life. So a beast that you could just play as a blocker, and then when it blocked something, it would die to, you could sack it to itself to gain some life. That was a really good card. That's like, value, like, man. Yeah, exactly right. Like that's value. That's how you beat the Goblin decks or whatever. So the idea of like a questing beast is like,
3: wow you yeah, know there's there's what that that uh new serpent in uh that i always just call 350 so i actually don't know what the fucking name of it is Tr- but it's yeah 350 uh because it has uh 50 words on it and there's three abilities and that would just yeah let's just flash in this giant seven seven serpent hi <laughs> like, oh
0: that one yeah and it's got like the uh it's got like sacrifice a swamp to draw a card sacrifice an island to make it unblock it's like yeah
3: oh and and then just like pay two to put it back in your hand so even if they do manage to kill it hey guess yeah. what's coming back next turn yeah
0: <laughs> man it's oh. it's like like there's so many cards like that that are just like have like uh like a trotta is another one that has like you know a long block of text to kind of like lay out an entirely new win con that you can build a deck it's, it's, yeah no i, I, I think- don't know
1: really when this switch happens in Ma- it happened in magic but i would be interested in like going back like i remember it definitely wasn't like there's Kamigawa, Ravnica, Time Spiral. There's something. That it, maybe it was the. Maybe it was the. Um, what's Emrakul One of uh, uh, is it Phyrexia? Colorless, the colorless big guys. I can't remember what their their name is. The, uh, El, El, Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Yeah, the, the Eldrazi. Eldrazi. Maybe it was yeah. the Eldrazi uh, that was like I, the big spike.
3: I'm sure at some point, Ristic Studies will do a video on this, and we'll <laughs> yeah. all be more informed. I have
1: definitely gotten really into, uh, you know, like, I'm, I, I watch a lot of the Hearthstone YouTubers and said, so, like, I think the Google algorithm is like, oh, you like card games? So, like, it keeps recommending me, like, magic videos. So, uh, so I'll hit a couple of the uh, the magic videos sort of, like, here and there. And mostly they're just like, here's a fucking degenerate combo absolutely ruining modern games or whatever. And it's always just, like, fun, you know, like, I don't really play magic anymore. Uh, but it's always really fun because, like, the fundamental skills are the same, right? Like, I haven't played mm-hmm. Magic in seven years, but I still understand, you know, state-based effects and, and the stack and everything like that. So, uh. it's neat.
0: Uh, so, uh, j- just since we're on the topic of Magic, um, do, do you guys have an opinion on Oko? What was what was the news
3: on Oko? I'm sorry, I do play Arena, but not often. What's okay, so Oko? so
0: Oko, Oko's the new three-drop uh, Planeswalker. Right. Um, he's, he's apparently just completely fucked the meta, like... Like, you're, like, the, the meme is, like, we are now in, it is, the, the meta is called Toberfest and uh, all of your things are 3-3 else. <laughs> I, I mean, the
3: solution to that is just kill Oko before Oko can do anything, which is pretty much what you had to do with Planeswalkers before. The, like, uh, you know, any time that somebody had, like, you know, Ajani on the field, you're just like, well, they're going to plus one, plus one, everything, every turn, so I got to kill this thing now before everything goes, like, sideways.
0: It's it's really hard to kill Oko though, just because like his his thing that kind of like like makes all of your stuff like only vaguely useful is a plus ability, right? So it's it's plus one or it's, it's his abilities are plus two, make a food plus one, turn target creature or artifact into a three three elk with no abilities. So like like it, it seems like part of this counterplay was supposed to be like you play you can play questing beast and like take out Oko, but you really can't because Oko comes down he has I think he starts with three or four. He'll be above like the kill uh like the kill line from the questing uh, beast, and then like he'll turn your questing beast into a three three elk and there's nothing you can do about it. Like it's I I mean I got a one and two black
3: knight in my hand that says I can kill your planeswalker. Sure. So That's <laughs> I'm nice. just using yeah. that.
0: <laughs> no, that that is fair. That is fair. Yeah. There there are solutions. It's just he's very durable. Very Yeah, durable. I mean yeah. even
1: I have heard like, you know, when I watch like Brian Kibler who bleeds between magic and, and Hearthstone a lot, uh like his chat will sometimes ask about Oko and what his thoughts about Oko are. Um the interesting thing with magic is that, like, when, when there are problematic heart cards in Hearthstone, you can just nerf them, right? You just, like, increase the mana cost by two or three, and it's, like, all of a sudden completely fucking unplayable or whatever. But in magic, you can never do anything like that, because it's all... You know, you have to, like, mirror printed magic, so your only real tool is banning something um, from or, or standard. Or
3: errata, if it's just completely
1: wrong. Is have like... they ever done that, where, like, they errata something...
3: Uh, they uh, errataed something not in, uh, what is it, Ravnica Allegiance? I think they did. Like, before it even got out, before anybody even cracked a single pack, they had to errata a card because apparently they fucked up printing it. And so the card was supposed to read that, like, you did something and then uh, it, the effect of it was till the end of turn but Mm -hmm. they forgot to write the end of turn on it. So it was just like, oh, no, this ability just happens, and you keep it forever. And then they were like, wait, that's really broken. Uh, (laughs) Oh, okay,
1: I see. I'm looking this up now. Uh, It's a card that says, switch the power and toughness of each of up to two target creatures. Uh, That's supposed to read until the end of turn? Yep. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, in in a certain sense, I feel like that is... um, That sounds to me like a bug fix in a way, more than like a nerf, like hypothetically speaking, you know, Uh, but I definitely, I definitely get that. That makes, uh, that makes sense. That is a tool in their arsenal as well.
3: Speaking of balancing and nerfs, let's talk about the one Blizzard game that doesn't have to deal with that shit anymore. Wait, Uh, what, 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 which game is that? Is that Overwatch? Overwatch 2? Yeah. It doesn't have oh
1: oh I see what you're saying balance because because
3: PVE you never have to worry about balance oh
1: man let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) I know plenty of PVE players who will get very feisty about balance but okay uh, Overwatch Two Overwatch Two is overall the winner of the con for me Uh, oh yeah the eight minute long cinematic that they did called Zero Hour I you know like I found weirdly I haven't played Overwatch like three years right like I found that like really affecting. Um, in a kind of like go go get them champ kind of like way, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, and the Overwatch Two demo was the best demo at uh, BlizzCon. Uh, so for the Overwatch Two demo, you got to play like a like a story mission, and honestly, and I and I hate to do this because like. I don't want to not like Destiny, but like it is the most recent shooter, <laughs> shooter that I've been trying to get back into and it's been really like hard and frustrating and it felt so good to play Overwatch PvE after playing so much Destiny because people have roles and they and you have to like work as like a like an intricate kind of like team Right, like you get damaged and you have to like go back to the Lucio to get heals, or you're grouping up behind like Reinhardt's shield and you're pushing into a new room or whatever. That stuff feels great. I love, love, love PVE shooters when they do this sort of thing. Um, and so, and so that was uh, that was pretty perfect. It was also really nice that they showcased uh, talents, right, which are abilities that you pick up in PVE that affect your. Um, that that, like affect the way that you interact with some of the abilities that aren't quite as good in a PVE setting versus a PVP setting Um, in PVE. It's a lot about your sustained DPS output against the kind of overwhelming onslaught of targets right you need to sort of crowd control enemies you have to hide behind your tank a little bit make sure that they're you know soaking stuff up you need to be healing yourself and using line of sight and stuff like that and so certain abilities that uh, are really useful in here are not going to be useful and certain abilities that are really useful in pvp are not going to be useful kind of like in here and so those are sort of like where talents change things up i played tracer one of the talents was every time you use blink you reload which was insanely useful because you essentially never run out of bullets um and then a second one was anybody hit by pulse bomb triggered a secondary pulse bomb explosion so you could just kind of use it as like a one-stop shop like aoe destroying everything Um, whenever your kind of, like, ultimate was up. Some of the other ones that were around uh, is Reinhardt's Fire Blast and Earth Shatter uh, leave a ticking fire dot on whoever you hit with them um, that does a bunch of damage. And then May had one where after she uh, ice blocks herself, she bursts open and freezes everybody in a radius sort of, like, around her. So that stuff was very cool. It was very neat. I played the Overwatch 2 demo twice, because it was just, like, so fun, and I was really into it. Um, And then, obviously, the announcement trailer, I thought, was kind of like everything that I've been complaining about Overwatch for a really long time. It's it's like Jeff Kaplan got on stage, and he said that the number one thing that they've been hearing about Overwatch is they want uh, the story to progress. And I felt like he was looking right at me when he said that. He was like, (laughs) buddy, this one's for you. We're moving the story forward. Because, like, you know, this is the thing that I think of as – this is the thing that I think of as, like, unique to Blizzard. These are big properties that have long-standing stories that go on for years and years and years that define, like, the whole kind of company. And so it was very weird to me that Overwatch got released and then nobody really interacted with the story in a meaningful way uh, for three years.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think that that was the one thing that everybody was like you know reading the comics or the little blurbs that they would have and the the occasional um, archives event that would give you that like little little tidbit of info here and there that you'd be like okay so this is this character and this is a little bit of this character mm. but the fact that we're finally getting like a story mode that will explain things and push the story forward and you know like we'll see overwatch getting back together and i'm just like yeah i'm in I'm a hundred percent in. I mean, I was already like getting a little like emotional seeing them like go into battle in the cinematic, uh, you know, together, but then seeing like Genji and mercy and everyone just like start coming out of the woodwork to defend people. And I was just like, yeah, all right, just take my money now. I don't, whenever this is coming out, I'm there. Let's go. Uh, I
2: I was just saying, I was sitting with people who have never played overwatch. Don't really play a lot of video games watching the cinematic and they were inspired enough to say man i save the monkey i want to play this game
3: this looks great
1: yeah 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 i mean uh the i will say that the the overwatch demo was very demo-y especially compared to diablo 4 like diablo 4 you could tell a lot of stuff had been like implemented and it was all kind of there uh overwatch 2 was much more nuts and bolts so i am expecting you know like I, i don't even think i'd expect diablo for next year just because blizzard takes forever with these things but like i think that they're probably in a position where it's going to be a while before we end up seeing uh overwatch 2 which kind of sucks in a way because even just like the one mission is just like oh fuck that was so cool (laughs) you know but um
3: (sighs) it is what it is i I feel like they have the ability if they wanted to to really kind of get that pushed out sooner rather than later not saying that i don't have anything else to do but it's just kind of like you're taking assets and you know characters that have already been built and balanced and things you're adding maybe one or two more on mm. the multiplayer end but otherwise your multiplayer's already built and as long as you have the storyline already kind of like written out for your pve stuff then you just have to like you know just finish your last couple of levels or you know make it polished and then put it out it's like that's the that's the one thing that i like when looking at their um at, like the, their different abilities and how you can kind of like level up the abilities i looked at that and i was like this is literally the overwatch team just being like these are all the cool ideas that we did have but we couldn't implement it to the multiplayer because of one reason or another. Oh God. Yeah. Or, Cause it'd
1: be so broken, right? Like, it'd be yeah. <laughs> so broken
3: or like, Oh yeah. We could never have Genji be able to like throw his sword at somebody because like, how do we balance that? And then this, and they're just like, we don't have to worry about that shit. Genji throw as many swords as you want.
0: Yeah. I, I feel like also like, you know, you know, but buddy, as buddy pointed out, people will get better out of shape. If, uh, players are you know if, if one class is particularly better than the other but i think it's it's an easier thing to do to kind of fudge with the numbers a little bit to make them of approximately the same offensive power against enemies rather than you know having to be a, like balanced against each other if that makes sense and so I yeah think- I, thi- I think i think i think very fine-tuned balancing. Uh, it's, it's
1: a little bit of a different beast, right? Like, we talk about optimization and the way that optimization uh, influences people, right? Like, in World of Warcraft, I can run simulations that will tell me what is the best trinket or what is the best talent to take or whatever. And that's the kind of balancing that people get up in arms about in PvE scenarios. Um, whereas in PvP scenarios, it's kind of more like, I don't know, like outwardly, right? Like, this other guy is just really unfair for whatever reason right
3: hi we have this thing called sigma he's just gonna win if that's cool <laughs> with you uh and i'm like no <laughs> yeah i see i also don't understand the
1: over like when when we last played overwatch there was no sigma there was no doomfit who was the first character added to overwatch i think we'd probably Sombra? quit playing by then Sombra, Sombra?
3: probably. okay yeah, yeah, Sombra we, was one of the earlier ones, because I remember, like, Sombra and Orisa were some of the earlier ones. Brig wasn't until later that just fucked everything up. Um, wow, I feel bad that I don't really actually just, like, know this off of the top of my head.
0: So, are, are I mean, you guys currently currently active in Overwatch? Like, are you still playing? Very. Uh, what, what's the uh, current state of the game, and how do you feel uh, about uh, changes, I, I guess? I,
3: fe- I feel like, like a, lot of, a lot of people, at least in the game, are excited for the overwatch two stuff uh and i think that a lot of that comes from um you know them announcing the fact that they're going to keep the multiplayer the same and just kind of expand upon it and i think that's Mm. the best freaking idea that they could possibly do because when every ever since the rumor of overwatch 2 everyone was worried to just be like do not make a second multiplayer don't make another Uh, gate for your fan base to go through don't split what you have now actually built as an esports empire that's doing pretty well and like is getting a lot of traction just leave it be and they're like yeah all right we already have overwatch we're just going to add some some characters to it from two but you're still going to be able to play overwatch the way you know overwatch the esports league will still be the same it's just going to look a little bit different because it's going to be a little more polished and you're going to have some new characters in it but otherwise like all of your skins are going to be able to be transferred over. You're still playing with people that have overwatch one. Like it's still the same like state of things. Um, and so I think that as far as that goes, that's fine. As far as, you know, like the, uh, e-sports end of it, I think that's the best business decision and that's going to be great. Uh, you know, especially with the trades and seeing what happened on the world cup stage at, um, over at a uh, blizzcon uh i de- definitely think that season three of uh the uh owl is gonna be fantastic okay yeah if,
1: so if, did did you follow the world cup at blizzcon i hear it was hype but i didn't quite understand what was going on
3: i i followed a little bit of it uh i know that uh, uh one of the like i i think some of the 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 big things that that happened um that I, I like, I, I don't know this off the top of my head, but I kind of was, like, looking at the, uh, like, I it was kind of, like, looking at who was winning and who was losing until the end, and then I just saw, like, the, the last two that were the fighting for the cup was USA and China, and the first thing that my friend asked me was, what happened to South Korea? Isn't that all of your players?
1: Yeah, is it South Korea? Like, well, I, I have heard, so, something that I heard about Overwatch is that because everything is sort of localized to the same league... Right, like the South Korean Seoul players are playing against the U.S. players in regular league play, Um, whereas in like, for instance, League of Legends, right, like it's the NALCS where most of the league play happens, and then Worlds happens, and they just get trounced by other reasons, regions, or whatever. Um, And that by having that regular kind of exposure to the best players, um, all the time. Has made Overwatch or has made NA players and EU players like much much more competitive on a world stage.
3: I I mean, I definitely think it's uh, maybe a a little bit of that. I like from from what we have, you know, you have the 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 league play um, that is just kind of. I mean, shit! I think every single team has Koreans. The only team that didn't last season was. paris eternals and all of their trades thus far have been getting rid of their eu players and putting in more koreans onto the team like they, they were they were branded as a european team and then they just threw that out the window the first chance that they got in trades like i think like i don't even think that the overwatch league was done they like, you know I, I don't even think like the the finals had been decided by the time they were already were trading people and being like yeah we're no longer branding ourselves an eu team we want to win uh, let's let's get you know these kids that are actually really good, which is fine I mean if that's where great players are coming from get them I, I think that's a great idea um but it was definitely really weird seeing that it wasn't them at the end, and it was uh you know like the the USA team of all people and I was like you know hey that's I appreciate it. My favorite players are on the USA team, so I was just like, "Hell, fucking yeah!" Seeing Corey just popping off and just being like, "That's my boy coming home to the Washington Justice." <laughs> yes, please. That means one sixth of our team is going to be amazing.
1: That is honestly pretty awesome to me. Like, I the, the esports stuff at BlizzCon was really hype. Um, I saw so the StarCraft stuff, which was completely random, right? Like, I just got dinner with my wife, and we were like. In, we were just like next to StarCraft Arena, and so we were like watching on one of the monitors. Um, and it was just like insanely hype. I don't know if it was like the casters or the specific like matchup or whatever, but like this dude is Protoss and he's up against Zerg and he gets trounced in like back to back engagements. And so for the third game, he does a cannon rush, which I think of as a noob strat, but I guess pros are doing it. And then he won with the fucking cannon rush, which I was just, which we were all like, What on earth? How did that, you know, like, how did that happen? Um, And then, you know, in the next game, it was like kind of a more conventional sort of like back and forth with his army and uh, and the other guy's army. And he was using these really interesting – dark templar he like masked a bunch of dark templars and snuck them into the dude's base to kill his main hatchery and it was just like holy fuck how did a pro starcraft 2 player make that mistake like not have an overseer protecting his like drones or whatever else um and then the other thing that i saw which was really neat was the hearthstone world championships which the the games themselves were actually incredibly like lame um The so it was, it was uh one player from North America named Bloody Face, and another player from China named uh Lion Bloody Face was had okay decks but in his quarterfinal match which i also saw he just played incredibly smart against better decks like that you know his opponent was just like bringing stronger variations of the decks but he was just like he was putting on pressure with decks that shouldn't be pressuring that much um and he set himself up for a really interesting but cool lethal scenario when an otk combo was about to go off and so it's like oh shit yeah like bloody face is the fucking man and then uh in his semifinal match against a guy named fino fino choked really hard because he he missed his lethal uh by one point because like his turn started roping and he was just like he was applying all of his buffs to this, this one guy and he thought that the math worked out and the math didn't work out and so it passed into the next turn and he got killed and it's just like oh Fino oh choke city right and then um and so and then so Bloody Face made it to the finals kind of off the back of that choke and that outplay. But Lion just like breezed her way through the finals with just like insanely powerful decks, right? She had the best decks of the best archetypes and was just miles ahead of everybody else who was coming to the uh coming to the tournament. Um so she 3-0'd Bloody Face just like one, two, three. And it was actually really funny because you got to see how her variation, like she played <clears throat> she played shaman into his druid and just trounced him then he played a druid into her shaman and her druid just trounced him again uh and then she ran over him with a highlander hunter and it was just like oh my god that was like really brutal uh but it was really awesome and it was really inspiring because you know she's obviously a woman and you know female champions in esports are like pretty rare uh so it uh, ended up getting like a, two yeah <laughs> so like <laughs> it ended up in. getting a ton of attention um and uh, and it was it was like honestly it was like, it was like really emotional on stage like she got the trophy and then she started crying and everybody was like oh you know like oh man uh, so it was pretty awesome I really enjoyed the uh, the esports experience at BlizzCon
0: yeah well uh, that's, that sounds like it was it was it was a, a rollicking good time I guess is is, is the way to put it um, we've 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 gone for the full hour I believe that that our our, our new friends will will be. Will be leaving us as we transition to our weeks. Uh, did you guys want to plug your, yourselves, plug your excellent podcasts uh, before you you headed out?
2: Yeah, actually, when do you guys when do you guys post your podcasts? You do them day of? How, did, how does it work? For yeah,
0: you guys? no, I I will I will be editing this directly after this. Sometimes we record earlier and I have a little bit more time, but I will be. <laughs>
2: so, <laughs> so you pull it you pull in us. So you just edit like the night of, and you're like, yeah. You yeah. You? yeah.
0: It. No, it's Thursday, I believe. I believe.
2: Yeah. Uh, same thing for us. We record on Thursdays. We publish our podcast every other Thursday. Um, so bi-weekly or fortnightly or semi-weekly. I don't even know what the correct phrase is, but it's one of those. I promise. <laughs> uh, we've been doing this for about four years. Um, we have a podcast called the forecast. Our group is called the horizon. It's made up of about, I don't even know at this point, eight to 10 different people. And we have a whole bunch of different guests that come on our podcast. Um, I say guests, I mean, people that are a part of that group. So, It's kind of dynamic, and we get to spend a lot of time talking about games we play, movies we watch, uh, board games. We're huge board gamers as well. So, um, again, you can check that out, we're with Horizon.com. And you guys are going to be on our cast this Thursday. So excited to hear some content from that as well.
3: We've also got uh, the interview uh, with Buddy here that if not already up, should be up pretty soon. That's just been uh, a little bit uh, editing hell from the past couple of weeks, but that'll be up soon. Uh, And we've also have our, uh, I don't know if you guys participate in extra life.
0: Uh, uh, we, but we don't participate. I, I think we observe sometimes. We are uh <laughs> we're, we're pretty small yeah. beans, so we
3: observe. Uh, <laughs> well yeah, we will be participating in Extra Life uh this month down on what is it, the twenty-third will 23rd. be Yeah. yeah. The on the twenty-third we're gonna be doing it. So uh if you would like to Either watch us go mad for 24 straight hours or maybe donate a couple of dollars and help us raise money for kids at St. Jude's and, you know, give them an uh, uh, extra life. Uh, by all means, check it out. Uh,
0: we will be doing that in just a couple of weeks. That sounds awesome. Uh, thank you guys so much for, uh, for, for joining us for this podcast. We're, uh, we're very much looking forward to Thursday. Uh, best, uh, best of luck to you guys. Yeah,
1: all right, thanks cool. so
2: much thank you so inbox, guys. Thanks for having it.
3: us
1: on. All uh, right like, mango tell me all about your week uh
0: yeah, so what did I do this week um so i actually i actually so the biggest thing i th- single thing i did, I did this week was uh on Friday I saw the lighthouse um which is the newest um a twenty four film um which is uh uh it's it's a movie in black and white in four to three with Robert Pattinson and willem Dafoe about a lighthouse keeper and his apprentice, um, with uh, with uh, Robert Pattinson being the apprentice and Willem Dafoe being the lighthouse keeper. It's a very weird movie. I don't know how much I can actually recommend it, um, but it's interesting. If you like 824 films, then you know that's that's kind of like I I, I think you you you'd be well served by it. Um, Willem Dafoe's performance is amazing. And uh is not worth it on its own, but definitely like I would definitely recommend checking out on a streaming service, whenever it comes out on a streaming service. Um, just to check out that because it's it's pretty incredible. He plays this like really, really um uh believable like old sea salt. Um but the movie's kind of weird. It's about
1: Was that was that right up your alley? Somebody playing a believable old sea salt? it,
0: it was, it was. Um it's a like basically they st- they they are working on the uh or at the lighthouse and then there's a storm and they kind of go crazy and that's as much as I'm going to tell you but it also doesn't make a ton of sense like i said i um i feel kind of mixed about it but i do want to point out that like right after i saw the uh i saw the movie i saw this tweet which i think uh perfectly encapsulated Uh, The the kind of my attitude about it. And it's from this guy called Spencer at the Lonely Photon. Online Cinephilia is a choice between soy facing at every A24 release or running shit like Bodies in Motion, a mythic text about Transformers 7. Uh,
1: (laughs) I feel very called out by that second one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I I, I think that's uh, pretty much about right. Uh, Otherwise, this week I played some uh, Magic the Gathering Arena. Um I've got a little bit to say about that because uh what happened. Have
1: you just been being degenerate with your Oko deck? Uh
0: I don't actually have Oko and any Okos yet just because uh, Oh really? Uh yeah, I you know, I just wasn't inspired. I I only play decks that I like to play. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, sounds redundant, but like, you know, I I much more care about the deck building aspect than I do about like necessarily being top of the meta. Um, um but the thing <laughs> two things they did Um, where they had their first brawl event, which is basically commander with 60 cards. Um, and that was a lot of fun. You could earn, you can earn some cosmetics off of that. And then currently happening with like 30 some odd hours left, probably about a day by the time this goes up. Um, you can play uh, artisan, which is like, it's like popper but with uncommons as well. So it's just uncommons and commons. Uh, and you do that for like card styles as well. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, that's basically been uh what I've consumed uh just because uh, I've been traveling uh to and from new york uh and, and uh stuff like that so Fair buddy, enough how's your week been
1: uh well so obviously the big highlight of my big week was uh was going to BlizzCon, um though we just ended up talking about that for an hour or so i won't I won't dwell on it. Um, Something that I wanted to bring up, though, is... uh, Have you heard of Dolomite Is My Name?
0: I have. I haven't seen it yet, though.
1: Okay, so Dolomite Is My Name, which I highly recommend to just fucking everybody because it is insanely cool and insanely fun. Um, It's sort of like a a making-of movie movie. Um, It stars Eddie Murphy as Dolomite. uh, And Dolomite is this... um, Dolomite is kind of like a schlocky cult movie that is, like, blaxploitation, sort of. Um, it's several from, of them.
0: and they're... Yeah,
1: yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of them in, like, a series. Uh, and it's the making of the first one, right? And so it plays a lot like Ed Wood's um, or... Uh, the room what's the room's one called the disaster artist right uh but it has this other like dimension because just like it, it comes from a different place than those two places come from right like the disaster artist is about tommy Wiseau is it's just like insanely weird what a weird guy what a weird movie that he ended up making whereas like you know dolomite is a re- is you know a real person and it's more like his story rather than like the tommy was greg sistero friendship story um and it was just really fucking funny, and it was really cool, and I was like really gripped by it, um, in a way that I kind of like don't really expect to be gripped by movies a lot of the time.
0: Have you seen the uh, Red Letter Media? They do a couple of, um, I think they were the best of the worst or reviews on some of the Rudy Roy Moore films. They did one relatively recently about it was one of the non dolomite ones, but, mm-hmm. um. I think as I understand it, they are like kind of like the quintessential black exploitation films Um, and also quintessential kind of like wrote in, directed and starred kind of movies uh, for, uh, for, for, uh, for Rudy Roy Moore. So I'm very much interested in seeing it. I just haven't gotten around to doing it yet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the thing that's crazy is that like, I mean, I remember Eddie Murphy being like huge. What the fuck happened to that guy? He like dropped off the face of the earth when Shrek after after the Shrek movies. It feels like um, th- when he sort of like deserves to be a legend, right? Uh,
0: yeah, I think I think that was his own doing, as far as I understand it. But I, I don't know a ton about uh, about it. Yeah, did he like Dave Chappelle out of it? That, yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, one of the funny things about uh, watching Dolomite Is My Name is, like, seeing, you know, uh, like, all of these traditional um, uh, sorts of, like, roles being played by sort of, like, not, like, miscast, but just, like, off-cast in a way, like, black actors. Uh, The biggest other name in the movie is Wesley Snipes, who plays the director, who isn't really the director because Dolomite is really the director, but they like they need a big star attached to the project in order to get it made. So they tell this guy, that, you know, he's like, "Oh, what does the, every every actor want to want to do? He wants to direct." Um, but he's kind of like he's like sort of like a goofy and like a freak, uh, which is just like so weird when you think of who Wesley Snipes is. Obviously, um, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of characters that are just like these minor. Um, roles played by like the technicians that they hired out of ucla they basically like took the you know whatever the 1970 class of ucla film majors or whatever and turned them into the crew for their um, uh for their project and it's just funny seeing these guys who are like learning and they're very much like in that student mode getting kind of like conned a little bit by dolomite but also being like this guy's such a fucking idiot how does he not understand how lights work you know um and that kind of thing so it was yeah it was great it was really neat i'm also looking forward to other uh big netflix movies coming i think the the next one that is um a big deal is going to end up being the irishman the
0: irishman which is currently in is it some F- figures or- it's, yeah, it so, didn't
1: come. Out, it's not on Netflix yet, right?
0: No, no, it's in Netflix in twenty twenty six days. But because of like the weirdness around that, it's only in like independent theaters. It's really weird. Like none of the big name theaters around me are running it. But there's like an independent theater in Cambridge that's running it. Um, and there was one in like actually the theater I saw uh, the lighthouse sat in a uh, in, in freaking uh, in, in in Brooklyn <laughs> uh, this hipster theater uh, uh, is running it, but. Uh, it's uh I, I definitely agree with you i'm I'm super excited to see that movie i might even try and see it at at, at this local theater just just so i can um but uh uh it's interesting because like netflix seems to be like having have these shining points whereas they've kind of been known for having some schlock lately so i'm glad to see them that, that they're uh that it's that it's getting better i think it's just because netflix has a ton of money and
1: they know that it's content that matters it's like volume of content that matters yeah, yeah. in a lot of ways whereas like theatrical movies it's just like a tough thing to you know pull in uh the other big netflix project that i that i want to see that i think actually got released today is the king which is about um uh it's like you know henry v or something like that but it has uh, it starts timothy chalamet from the movie with uh with with guys in it it has a name i can't remember call me by your name he was was really excellent call me by your name everybody loves him um and then joel edgerton and robert pattinson are also co-starring in the king um i saw a couple of reviews and a couple of people coming up and talking about it uh it is neat looking and so i'm very excited i always kind of like forget how much i'm into small little movies like this um when when they like pop up onto my onto my radar, but I feel like this year has been.
0: Robert Pattinson is really making like a, a a a move to be like more relevant and not just be the the Twilight person.
1: Yeah, so this has been going on in his career for a long time. Basically, after Pattinson, or after, not after Pattinson, fuck after Twilight, um, he dropped to do tons and tons and tons of like these little influential indie movies right like the lost city of z he was in and he was great in that by the way um and then obviously the lighthouse and and the king and stuff like that so i feel like he's been doing a lot of you know small scale movies after twilight to kind of i don't know get away from i mean i guess he's not getting that far away from the spotlight just because uh he's doing batman next year but who knows
0: yeah, but like e- even then, right? Like it, <coughs> Batman isn't is like assuming that it's kind of in the same vein as some of the other DC movies which try and be more serious, right? Like For sure, for sure. Um it is kind of like in that more serious vein along with like like you know, this movie and The Lighthouse and uh, some other stuff. So it's it, it's interesting. It's I wonder how much of that is just kind of like the way things worked out, or how much of it's him like just being like, no, I don't want to be the Twilight guy. I want to mm-hmm. escape this. I'm going to do everything I can. Uh, whereas the only thing you remember about like say Christian Haydenson uh, is is Anakin.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean you know it's also something that. Uh Kristen Stewart did right like she I mean she kind of rose up through indie movies more than he did Robert Pattinson made it big when he was Cedric Diggory in the oh, Harry Potter movies
0: I forgot about um,
1: that yeah right so that was his kind of like path to success and that he kind of like fell backwards into indie roles Kristen Stewart did sort of the opposite where she was doing lots and lots of uh indie indie things and then got pulled up to the big leagues essentially um and then and you know and i guess she's she's kind of stuck around a little bit more like she did that charlie's angels movie that's coming out um and some other things kind of along those sorts of lines but she also does like little stuff here and there uh i guess to kind of like get away from the twilight is like this cultural black hole i think in a lot of ways uh and sort of deserves less than it gets in terms of backlash and like ire in a lot of ways um like i don't think those movies are quite as bad as they were made out to be just because like i don't know twilight was like eminently it was almost like memeable in a certain sort of sense and it like represented something more than it was i feel like uh and so they kind of became more than just bad movies, but like the poster child for like, oh, this is what's wrong with, you know, I don't know, movies coming out. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Uh
1: have you ever seen any of the Twilight movies? I saw n- the very first one. I did not see the other three. My n- little sister really liked Twilight One. And I was and I remember watching it and I'm being surprised because it was better and smarter than I ever gave it. I mean, to be clear, it was very bad. There's basically no plot until the end of the movie. Um, But it was, yeah, I don't know. It was kind of like forecast as like the end of civilization by certain idiots in like 2010. When it really kind of didn't deserve that.
0: uh, Yeah. My, my the, the entirety of my interaction with Twilight is with one of the books, one of my friends in high school, his little sister was into it. And, the uh, the meme was that if you that every sentence in uh, Twilight is stupid, and so we picked up the book, we flipped open the page, pointed to a random sentence, and lo and behold, it was true. I don't remember what it was, but it was pretty stupid. Um, not that that's you know necessarily true for the entirety of the book. I'm sure that there's some well crafted sentences in there, but that is the entirety of my knowledge of Twilight, uh, and that there's vampires that sparkle. I guess, God. Is this what it feels to like like to be old, like remembering like how dunking on like literature for like slightly younger kids when you were a kid and having not be not being relevant anymore? Mm. Like, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, did you play any any games this week? So, the other game
1: that I have been returning to since BlizzCon is StarCraft 2, because I just do this all the time, and I, I know I talk about this, and there really is, like, nothing new to be fucking said besides that game is, like, really good, and I know I'm the only person that, like, appreciates the story mode, but the story mode is just, like, really like really tight and really good storytelling. Uh, I've played through, basically, in the last, like, three days the entirety of Wings of Liberty, um, and I'm, I'm struck by how kind of complex my thinking has gotten when it comes to StarCraft II in the single-player game as a result of sort of like paradox and uh, uh, total war in terms of like... In paradox and in total war games, you are thinking less about your absolute value of resources and more about your rate at which resources are generated. Whereas in Starcraft, like the rate at which resources are generated is not something I used to think about. I used to think about my absolute value of resources quite a lot. And so it was something that you'll see in the single player all the time is they will like, you'll have your main base and things will basically, you basically complete it just by being on your main base. Like you complete any mission just from your main base, essentially. Right. Um, But that, um, you can there's almost always like an expansion opportunity or whatever and i never used to take those expansion opportunities but now i take them all the time because i'm like oh it's not you know it is not having a thousand minerals this matter it is generating you know whatever the secret number is 200 minerals you know a minute that's pr- probably low but whatever you know a, a high amount of minerals per minute that is the sort of defining characteristic of what makes your economy uh your economy good Um, and the other thing that I've been doing is sort of achievement hunting in that game, because like each of the missions has two achievements, one you can complete on normal, of which I already had a bunch of these, um, and one that you can complete on hard. So I've been playing hard, uh, I've been playing on hard going for the achievements, um, which isn't always successful because some of them I'm just like, fuck. how did anybody figure out how to do this achievement? Um. But it is like a neat way to sort of uh, to sort of mix things up when it comes to uh, when it comes to the game.
0: Yeah, no, um, that that sounds that sounds sounds like a like a good time. I, I wish I had more time to devote to, vote to uh, like a variety of games. That, that's one thing that I've really kind of come down with is I don't have enough time to play the games I want to play. I haven't played any Outer Worlds since we last talked and we discussed maybe uh, you know doing a podcast. have have you played it at all?
1: Uh, so I I had to go through the biggest like pain in my ass in order to uh, get it onto my computer. I do finally have it on my computer, um, so I am in a position to play it. I have not yet actually gone into uh, to playing it. Something I did want to ask you a little bit about um, is because uh, you play a lot of TFT. I fell off of TFT pretty hard. But you played it a lot more after uh, after I did it. Have you been playing it recently? No, not right? not,
0: not super recently. Not since Shadowkeep <laughs> came out. Okay.
1: Have you seen anything about Hearthstone Battlegrounds? Uh, not really, no. Okay. So uh... – I, I I like I said more and more. I'm of the philosophy that I'm just like the, these sorts of auto battlers are not for me because I get really frustrated with the RNG in them or whatever. But I do think that uh, that battlegrounds is an interesting sort of take. So I want to explain a couple of like the the differences. Uh, the big one is that there's no economy, right? Like so saving gold won't net you any interest. Just at the start of every round, you get a certain amount of uh, of gold. In Hearthstone, it's a tavern. Are the you you swap between? the tavern round when you can recruit people at the tavern um, and the uh, uh, in like the combat phases where you're like fighting enemies but there's a couple of small little things that that makes a little bit different one battlegrounds um you get a hero so at the start of the game you get a choice, one of three different heroes, and those heroes have hero powers, and those hero powers cost gold, and you can use them in the tavern phase. So, for instance, if you um, if you get Professor Putricide, you can pay a gold at, uh, for his hero power, and he will give his leftmost minion plus ten attack. Right. Um, otherwise, the combat is random in that your 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 minions on the board attack left to right. Um, but the, their targets are randomized, and they have to hit taunt minions first, and then basically everything else is kind of the same as in uh, like Hearthstone proper. Um, death rattles trigger, battle cries only trigger when you play the minion in the in the tavern phase, and they are permanent. Um, so, for instance, if you have a card that says battle cry, give your taunt minion plus two plus two, that taunt minion permanently changes into. Uh, you know whatever it is a three four becomes a five six um, and uh, and then there 's like divine shield and all of that other kind of stuff um the attacking the 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 attacks being random like who who each of your minions are hitting is part of the RNG that sort of like to, Oh and you can also upgrade guys into golden units of guys if you get 3 of a kind you get a golden card and everything on it doubles including the abilities right so if it gives a taunt minion plus 2 plus 2 it gives a taunt minion plus 4 plus 4 um as well as double stats and stuff like that and then getting 3 of a kind also rewards you with a another card of like uh the 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 tavern type you know you don't level up you level up your tavern where you buy your minions from essentially um, so that, those are most of the differences when it comes to, uh, when it comes to battlegrounds. Do you, what, Do based on all of that, what, what, what are your thoughts?
0: I, does, hmm. the, the, does, is, is health permanent like it is in Hearthstone? Yeah, so, with, uh, with health, rounds?
1: so health is permanent, um, and... It re- so it, which is to say it resets between rounds so like when okay. your guys die they will be rezzed and they'll be rezzed at like kind of like the appropriate stats and stuff like that uh, obviously your hero health is <coughs> it's 40 and then the the amount of damage you do to the enemy opponent is based on the stars which is kind of like the levels of the there are six levels like level six minions um if you end the match if you end the combat with a level six minion up you will add six damage to your hero and then your hero will attack the enemy hero's face for just like tons and tons of damage i tend to think that these numbers are a little bit high like honestly like people can be like fucking not one shot but like if you lose a round really really badly you can get just like absolutely blown out by somebody who has really strong uh like leftovers
0: but I imagine it takes a little while to get to them, right? Like it probably scales up.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you have to you have to buy the new, you know, like you have to buy the new taverns. The other thing is that all of the minions are equal value. They all get bought for three gold and sold for one, right? So you can't do the sort of thing that you do in um, uh, in TFT where you just buy people, and put them in your bank, um, because you can just resell them at cost. Uh, like when you buy a minion, right, you know, right. it's it's a bigger commitment.
0: Yeah, and, and that, that kind of seems like it's the economy level, right? Like, there's no point in saving gold for, uh, for like, interest purposes, but there is because there might not be a good thing to spend it on, which is... Yeah, there's uh,
1: also, like, your hero power. Like, you know, you can obviously refresh a board a number of times, right? But, like, you can also use your hero, use gold on your hero power if, like, the minions suck or whatever. So there's, like, a little bit of option there.
0: Interesting. It, it definitely sounds neat. I... It sounds like it's a little bit more rng in some ways than uh than than the other than the other auto battler i'm familiar with which is tft mm-hmm. but i don't know if like it sounds interesting but like it sounds like it's got the same kind of rng problems that that you'd have with it regardless so i i don't know if uh i don't know if i have anything to add to add about that but it definitely sounds interesting i i yeah might...
1: yeah i did not demo it at uh at blizzcon i'm you know like i'm gonna buy the 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 if you get the pre-pack, the pre-purchase or whatever, you get access to the beta starting tomorrow. Um, and also, if you uh, uh, wait a week or two or something like that, it just like, you know, the the open beta will first be for people who have the pre-purchased packs. Um, and then it will open up for, you know, everybody.
0: Uh, the, like,
1: like the week afterwards
0: sort of is, thing. Is there any monetization behind it?
1: Ooh, so the interesting thing... This actually causes a little bit of a controversy. I, You know, I kind of think it's stupid. So here's how it works. Um, The number of packs of Hearthstone packs that you buy will influence your... Uh, like, per expansion cycle. Will influence your... Uh, uh, sort of experience when it comes to Battlegrounds. Um, so I think it's 10 packs, right? If you buy 10 packs, you get everything. The first level is cosmetic it's i don't even remember but the second level is the interesting one so if you haven't bought 10 hearthstone packs you which is about 15 bucks um you don't you get you get to choose two heroes instead of choose three but if you have bought 10 packs with gold or with money um you get to choose three so for instance you know if i load into a battlegrounds game I'll get, you know, three. I think there's like 40 different heroes or like 24 different heroes, some big number. You know, it'll be King Mukla, the Lich King, and Ragnaros. If I can only choose two, it'll be between, you know, Mukla and Lich King. Um, or if I can choose three, it's between Mukla, Ragnaros, Lich King, sort of thing. So, hypothetically speaking, you can, you have a better variety of choice uh, for your your starting hero um, with the, if you if you buy packs. But, uh, yeah. So, and then also there's emotes at the very top. If you buy all 10, you get emotes. Huh.
0: Okay. So that's, I don't know. That seems like a knock, like. It...
1: Yeah. People got mad about it. Well, people got mad about it, but they also got told in the, in the Hearthstone subreddit, like it got upvoted to the front page, but then the comments was full of people going, you know, that it just takes like, you know, a tiny amount of time, especially cause like Blizzard gives out a lot of free packs, obviously. And those all count. Um, to it's it's pretty trivial to get up there and if like you don't want to spend two or three dollars on the on the game mode to get like the one better hero uh like come
0: it's, on it, it, wait, it's it's not better right it is, it's just it's just another it,
1: uh, sorry be, yeah it's a better you have access to all 24 heroes right with the first with the free tier you get to choose from two with the paid tier you get to choose from three that was like the most convoluted way for me to explain this but yeah Yeah. um that so you don't have inside of the game anything better going on i guess unless you know you fucking really hate your two heroes or something
0: yeah yeah i mean it's kind of like right on that edge there um but i can't i can't get too mad about it i don't think Mm -hmm. um but yeah no that's 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 interesting (laughs) though but I don't know if I have, I have really anything to add that I haven't played. it. I haven't really seen it, so um, definitely sounds interesting. Um, yeah. Do, okay. Do, do, we, cool. do we do we want to wrap it up then?
1: Yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's uh, that's everything from me. All
0: right. So if you'd like to email us about anything we've talked about on this podcast, you email us at podcasts or somebirbsplaygames at gmail Check out our friends on, at, uh, at on the forecast. I'll put links to them in the description. Uh, you can follow us twitch.tv slash games You can uh, donate to us on Patreon at or patreon.com slash games uh, Rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. I think that's everything I had. Buddy, do you have anything else you wanted to promote? I have nothing else I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.